Coming up with the Locked On Hornets podcast, no Walker Bale. That means I have the microphone all to myself. You get all of my thoughts, and there's nothing you can do about it. I am joined by Bobby Marks of ESPN. He's going to talk about his new outlook on this Charlotte Hornets franchise. And we recap a win against Detroit and a big old loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's do it. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm Doug Branson. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. No Walker Mail today. That's my uh, normal host. I am the co-host. I am the second in command. So when the captain has to step away, you're stuck with me, baby. All me, all today. Walker, under the weather today, if you listen to Friday's show, uh, both of us were, you could hear it in our voice. They were raspy. They were dark. They were deep. Some may call it sexy. I'm fine with that. If you want to call it sexy, you can call it that. Uh, But today, I'm feeling better. Walker still needs a day, maybe two. Hopefully, he's back for Rick Bennell Tuesdays. Uh, But today, we've got a huge show. Every weekday, we're coming at you with recaps, previews of the game, and the big picture around the Charlotte Hornets franchise. And so we've called in the big guns, Bobby Marks. In fact, I'm going to nickname him Bobby Big Guns. He's coming in here, ESPN NBA Insider, Bobby Big Guns, at Bobby Marks 42 And he's going to give us the big picture on this Charlotte Hornets franchise. If you remember, back in late September, early October, Bobby and Kevin came out with the future power rankings, ranking the future prospects of each NBA franchise. And the Hornets were all the way in the basement. Number 30. Ugh, gut punch to the fan base. So I asked him about that. I asked him if the Hornets are rising after surprising performances from Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, Malik Monk, uh, even Miles Bridges making some growth in different areas. So that's coming up in in just a moment. But first, I want to shout out Alan, our newest Patreon member. Uh, For only a dollar a month, you can help keep our hive alive, support what we're doing here every day on the podcast. We do a daily podcast for free. And if you want to support what we're doing, keeping that local journalism train going, choo-choo, You can do it at patreon.com forward slash LOH, and you get bonuses. We do two podcasts on there that you can only get if you're a Patreon member. David Walker and I do uh, Let the Boys Watch. It's a a podcast on the NBA, the Hornets, and everything else we're watching on television. Uh, Huge Watchmen recap coming up there. And then he does, David Walker does a podcast called The Restock, which is all about sneakers. So if you've ever been interested in getting into the sneaker game, You know, if you've listened to this show for a long time, David Walker is the guy to go to if you want to know about sneakers. Uh, So check that out again, patreon.com forward slash LOH. And also help our sponsors out. They keep this show going too, just like Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. You can start listening today with a 30-day Audible trial. You can choose one audiobook and two of their Audible originals, and you get those absolutely free Visit audible.com slash locked on NBA. And if you're listening on the go and you can't visit Audible right now, 
No phones in the car. Come on now, put those down. Stay safe. You can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Okay, let's get to Bobby Big Guns, Bobby Marks, ESPN. He's got a lot to say about this Charlotte Hornets franchise. Let's get right into it, Bobby. In the last set of ESPN Power Rankings, you said we would learn a lot about the Hornets by how they fared in last week's set of games. The Hornets go 2-2 two and two over that stretch. Uh, what did you learn about the Hornets? Well, I think you saw them when, you know, the, you know when you're playing against the – I think they're kind of in that – I want to say probably Tier 3 right now. You know, they're, they're in there with the mix of – you know, they're competitive against teams like, you know, certainly Detroit when you get two wins from them. You know, certainly two close wins. Um, and then I think it's a little bit of a different story when you're playing teams like Miami and, and teams like Toronto as far as um, – you know, kind of letting go of the rope a little bit. I think that's kind of the amazing thing about um, about Charlotte this year is that you know they're five and I think they're five and two in games dividing by one possession down the stretch, and, but their point differential is like you know negative fifteen point seven in in their in their losses here. So it's kind of been kind of it's either going to be a, a real close game down the stretch, which is great for your younger players to kind of put them in that position, and, or it's going to be you know maybe a little games that we saw the other night against in Toronto when it's kind of a, a wake-up call and you're, and, you're, and you're losing, I don't want to say about 40 in some of these really good teams, but um, it, is a, it is a good learning curve as far as how far you are, kind of where, the, where these upper echelon teams are. No, great point. Young team, uh, but a resilient team. I want to stick with the, the power rankings and take a look back at the future power rankings that you did back in October in that list, you had the Hornets with the worst outlook among 30 NBA franchises. H- has the surprising play of Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, and even a guy like Malik Monk changed that calculus at all in your mind, or or are the Hornets still playing from behind the eight ball? No, I think it has to. I mean, it really does. You know, myself and, and Kevin Fulton, we, we do, we've been doing this, well, Kevin's been doing it for a while. I've been doing it for the last two or three years here, and it's, you know, it's a it's a, it's a complex formula as far as how this how the ratings get produced, and a lot of it the, the, the basis a lot of it has to do with your roster, right? Mm-hmm. You could have you could have all the draft draft assets in the world and cap space, but if your roster is not ranked highly, um, it's gonna it's gonna suffer here. And I think you know when we when we've done the Charlotte roster is you know we've seen you know certainly the the contracts that are about to expire the Martin Williams and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist the Bismarck Biombo we the Kev, having Kemba kind of in limbo weighed heavily on that and then when we did we did the um, the power rankings this past September hey I didn't know that Devontae Graham was going to play like how he has played right um, you know certainly PJ Washington I, you know we saw him at Kentucky it's it's a different transition when you get to the um, you know when you get to the NBA it's kind of you're waiting not waiting on him. Um, you know, Malik Monk has struggled on and off. You know, there's been some good moments in his first two years, um, but he's you know certainly has been in, inconsistent here. So I think I think the ranking was warranted back in September. I don't think it could be warranted when we do this again in March. I really don't. I mean, I, I like I think that the one thing that you need to sell your fans is that you have a foundation, play, right. right? And with Mikhail, uh, with Miles Bridges and uh, PJ and Devontae and you know Terry Rozier having him under contract for you know the next. Have, you know, three years here. Um, you've got the, you've got cap space coming. You're, you know, your draft picks here. I think that that that's where how you move up in the in the rankings. And I always go back to Brooklyn. I mean, we had Brooklyn, I think, twenty eighth ranked 
in um, a year and a half ago because it's a lot was based on the roster and they were yes you get Durant and Kyrie but they were able to turn it around by drafting well second chance players Joe Harris Spencer Dinwiddie guys like that and that becomes more of a lure for free agents to come there. So when you have someone like Devontae Graham, who was a second-round pick, the Hornets certainly liked him. They, they went after him in that draft. But, it, but he's an older player. He's playing so far above expectations. Uh, but you could look at the same thing with P.J. Washington and, and Miles Bridges. As an organization, uh, what kind of factors are, are playing into figuring out whether a player like that, like a Devontae Graham, is a future cornerstone or someone that you should leverage for future assets or sell high, essentially? Like, what kind of calculus is happening behind the scenes to figure that kind of thing out? Well, it, it's funny. I think when you look at, at Devontae and, you know, the stretch he was able to go on, and I was, um, I was teasing his agent, um, Ty, Ty Sullivan from CA, a little bit, because I was saying how, you know, um, TJ Warren or Aaron Baines was sixth man. This is when Devontae was coming off, coming off the bench, and he said, hey, he goes, don't forget about my client down in Charlotte. He's playing <laughs> awfully well. And I said, no, he is playing well. And I, and I said to him, like, what's the difference this year with him? Like, what? And he says, well, a lot of it had to do with uh, playing in the G League, you know, getting uh, playing in the G League last year in Greensboro and, and, and playing under Kemba and, and, and Tony Parker, you know, as far as the influence, kind of those guys took him under his wing. And I think, I think the interesting with Devontae is going to be is that, you know, we're, you know, 20 games in now, it's almost like a batter or a pitcher going through the batting lineup, right? You can master the top nine hitters because they've ne- never seen your stuff before. Mm. But now the scouting report is going to be out a little bit on him. And how does he adjust for, um, you know, these last, you know, 60 plus games? How does he handle, you know, the workload as far as playing, you know, 25 plus minutes when he hasn't done that? You know, it's almost like, He's going through an initial phase of his, his rookie year, and he'll probably hit a rookie wall, even though he's in his second year here. So <clears throat> I think we're kind of in a, in a little bit of a wait and see if this is kind of who he is, or is he going to maybe revert back to maybe more of a rotational player. But as I said, I mean, there's a, yes, he's older here, but there's certainly a lot of to like when, you, when you're picking a guy in, a, you know, in, in the second round, you get him on a really inexpensive contract um, for, for three years. So the Hornets have some surprising players. They have a surprising record right now. Um, we're hearing some rumblings in the trade market. Andre Drummond, his name has come up in, in possible rumors for the Hornets. Um, is there any circumstance where trading for Andre Drummond would make sense for the Hornets right now? Uh, would it make sense for the Hornets to do anything in the trade market, or is it better for them to continue on the, the rebuild path that they are on right now? Well, I think um, I think if you're talking about like a, like a player like Andre Drummond, is that um, yes, you are going to have cap space this summer. I think up to probably 35 million based on what happens with some of your moves here. He'll be, he could be a potentially a free agent. Um, but we went through it in New Jersey with Gerald Wallace, who was going to potentially be a free agent, and we went out and traded for him. We wound up acquiring his bird rights, um, and then wind up signing him. So. If you are looking at Drummond and if you're weighing that internally for Charlotte, do you have a chance of getting him if he's on, on the market this uh, this summer here? Or do you want to go out there? You've got the expiring contract with, you know, Marvin Williams and Bismarck and um, Kit Gilchrist. You probably have to, you know, certainly add something else into that, either probably a first-round pick, maybe two first-round picks. Um, but that's kind of what you're probably weighing in as far as what is going to be the cost. And if you're comfortable paying him, you know, four years, you know, 100, 150 million or, or, or north of that. And I think that's what you're going to do with, you know, they've got these expiring contracts now. Now it's a matter of fact of what the value is going to be, or you just kind of let them come off the books come, come June here. But I look at Charlotte, I look at Atlanta, certainly teams that have, 
you know, guys that were signed in 2016 and 2017 on these on these, um, these four-year contracts as teams that could be, you know, certainly sellers, but to look to look to buy in the future. Final question here for you, Bobby. We'll shift over to the NBA. There's a lot of discussion right now of NBA ratings dips and what the NBA could, should, and and will do about it. Uh, talks of a you know an in-season tournament, that kind of thing. I thought that Matt Moore of the Action Sports Network had something interesting to say on Twitter. He wrote, in a discussion on this topic, he wrote, our media openly and vehemently dismisses and disparages the Pacers for mediocrity when the Pacers have made the playoffs in 24 of the last 30. Do you think that a a rings-only mentality exists uh, in the media or amongst fans? And do you think that that's affecting the perception of the regular season product for all but a handful of legitimate title contenders? I, I think I think Matt, Matt's a good writer, and I think he has a point. And I think we have to do a better job focusing on all 30 teams, <clears throat> not just Los Angeles and the Clippers or Lakers or Sixers or Celtics. I know those teams are in, a, in the top echelon and, you know, they're big markets. Um, but we as a league, I think, yeah, I think when you look at Indiana with the Pacers, wouldn't have been able to do. I mean, Nate, Nate McMillan should be up there for probably maybe coach of the year because he, he doesn't have Victor Oladipo. He's been playing a skeleton crew there. What Nick Nurse has been able to do in Toronto with that group there. I mean, we thought that was going to be a fire sale. We don't talk about enough. We don't talk about Toronto enough. You know, the, the defending world champions who I don't have Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka. And I have, you know, Pascal Siakam playing at an MVP level. We thought they were going to be a fire sale. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, Charlotte could be a potentially a good story, and I think they should be talked about if they continue to let these young kids develop. And I think, I think people need to learn about the younger players, the PJ Washingtons, the Miles Bridges of the world here. And yeah, I think, I think all of us have a, a right to do that. I, you know, that it's not just about eight teams in the league. Yes, they are probably the drivers and the ratings, but what happens when Charlotte does become a top four team in the, in the Eastern Conference? You know, I don't, you, don't, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have to be you know, catching people off guard here. Thanks again to Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA insider. Read all of his articles on ESPN.com. Go to Twitter. Follow him there at BobbyMarks42. Coming up, we've got recaps of both of the weekend games, a win against Detroit, a loss against the Bucks. plus we look ahead at the schedule this week. Don't go anywhere. This is Locked On Hornets on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Have you ever had that one little bug that's just like, it's not completely out, but it's like kind of dangling in there, and then you try to sniff it back up to go away for good, but it just, it'll it'll keep popping back. That's what I'm going through right now. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Bobby Marks of ESPN, honest about his evaluation of the Charlotte Hornets, said it was a complex formula. The Hornets didn't have the goods preseason. No one could have seen this coming. Devontae Graham, you know, working on, if in a James Hardenless league, he'd be working on leading the league in three-point production. Yes, the Hornets have played a, a lot of games compared to some of the other people he's ranked up there with, but he is dropping a lot of three-pointers every game. He's handling the ball a lot. He's distributing a lot. He's up with the league leaders and assists as well. And when that kind of thing happens, it starts to change the calculus about the direction of the team. Because you have to understand, like this season, I mean, the Hornets could be right there with the Atlanta Hawks. They could be right there with the New York Knicks. I mean, that was certainly a possibility. 
I didn't think that the Hornets were going to be the worst team in the league, but I also didn't expect Devontae Graham to play as well as he has. And now you have Terry Rozier uh, knocking down a lot of catch-and-shoot threes. That's helped this team offensively work through some things that they were going through a little bit earlier in the season. And I certainly was not, you know, hitting the drum for P.J. Washington as a prospect. But now you have to one, and honestly, it puts the onus on the franchise now because they've got some options ahead of them. They've got some decisions to make. It might worry you a little bit that the Hornets do decide, hey, you know, let's short-circuit this rebuild because we've got some players that are playing way above their pay grade. So let's go out and get an Andre Drummond. Let's make a move for a DeMar DeRozan because we feel like with the talent we have now, we can make the move sooner rather than later. I think I would like to see this team stay patient a little bit. As Bobby said, there's still a lot of variables that go into whether a player is going to make a true star turn or whether it is just a fluke. I mean, in Kimball Walker's fourth season, when he started hitting more three-pointers, I mean, we were certainly excited about it. But I think even after that season, there were questions. If you go back and listen to those shows, we were probably questioning right here on this podcast, could Kimball Walker keep up that pace? Or, or was it just a great shooting season and he would quickly return to the mean when uh, those three-point shots started not to fall? So what happens if Devontae Graham for four or five straight games can't find the, can't find the net? Does he rebound or does he go back to uh, that, that, that rotational player, as Bobby Mark said? Bobby Big Guns. I love that nickname. He might not like it, but I love it. All right, so let's talk about this win that the Hornets get against the Detroit Pistons, 110-107, the ninth straight win versus the Detroit Pistons. (laughs) The title for Locked On Pistons the other day was, will the Pistons ever beat the Hornets? I mean, mean, probably, right? I mean, statistics says that eventually the Hornets will lose to the Detroit Pistons, but it it hasn't happened in, in quite a long time. And this was an interesting game, I thought, for a lot of reasons. Uh, Number one, you saw the Hornets go to an eight-man rotation in this game. Uh, You you don't have Cody Zeller. He's not available for this game due to a a hip issue that was bothering him for a couple of games. And they finally decided to sit him and get it healthy. And so you go to an eight-man rotation. You got your starters. You got Marvin Williams, you got Nick Batum, Malik Monk. So we didn't see Dwayne Bacon. We didn't see Billy Hernan Gomez in this game. So you had Biz at the center position and then a combination of P.J. Washington and Marvin Williams doing, doing your dirt in, at the center position. But Bismack accumulates 33, almost 34 minutes in this game. And he was fantastic offensively uh, for, for what he is. You know, 6 of 12 from the field, 13 points. Nine rebounds, five of those offensive rebounds. So he's giving you those second-chance opportunities, put-back opportunities, and two assists in this game, and three turnovers. That would be the one minus on this game. But the big story for the Charlotte Hornets, P.J. Washington, 9 of 12 from the field, 3 of 3 from beyond the arc, perfecto, 26 points to lead the team, five rebounds, three assists, one turnover, and four steals. I mean, defensively, P.J. Washington had uh, quite an assignment, Blake Griffin. I mean, that's a tough one. But you limit what he can do, 17 points. That's the only damage for Blake Griffin in this game against the Detroit Pistons. And this was, this was a close game, really, throughout. Neither team 
really wanting to give too big of a lead up. Uh, this was a game that the Hornets had to come back in. Uh, Detroit, near the end of this one, poor execution by the Hornets, middle of the fourth quarter, about the eight-minute mark to the six-minute mark. Monk had a bad pass turnover. Rozier, long mid-range miss. You'd like to see him either take that to the rim or, or find somebody outside. And then Monk fouling, giving up a four-point play. All of a sudden, Detroit leads 101-95. Oh, no, the streak in trouble. You get the timeout by the Hornets. And then I thought the key moment of the game was P.J. Washington, three-point shot over tough defense. I mean, a really tough shot. It was a star-level shot. It was something you'd see out of Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's, that's, it was just a really difficult three-point shot make with a shot clock on his back and helps the Hornets turn things around later on two minutes to go. P.J. pick and pop three. I mean, just this guy has nerves of steel. Nothing gets to this guy. It's really incredible watching him play. And then Biz draws the offensive foul on Drummond. They just made play after play to get back into this one. Graham hit a three with about 140 to go off a high screen from Biz. Biz out there setting good screens. Got Rose trailing Graham. Graham hitting that. I mean, again, it just looks you could you could take a play that Kimba and Zeller ran last year and just put it right over top, and, and it would be one of those cool effects where you just see the guy do the exact same thing. And then 50 seconds left in this game, Biz huge block after Drummond off after the Drummond offensive rebound. I mean, again, that was a that was another play where that that turns another way, and Detroit comes away with this victory. The Hornets didn't hurt themselves in this game, only 10 turnovers. Only giving up 10 points to the Pistons turnover. Again, in a close game, that's key. They don't lose the points in the paint battle too badly, 46 to 40, going to Detroit. So you're doing a good job on the boards. I mean, you know, 14 offensive rebounds, it's tough. You know, eight offensive rebounds for Drummond, that's kind of par for the course. He finishes with 15 and 19 in this game. This team is always going to struggle, but you look at the guards. You know, only two uh, two offensive rebounds for Mihailik, one for Galloway, one, only one offensive rebound for Griffin, one offensive rebound for Christian Wood. Then the final play of the game, Kennard has a chance to tie. Biz guards him on a switch, gets a miss. Look, Biz is going, Biz is going to have very bad games and very good games. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, with Zeller, you get more of a consistent performance game to game. But, but you don't have that physicality inside with Zeller that, that Biz offered you and that won that game. Two more interesting things. PJ, I want to go back to P.J. Washington. He was doing it in almost every way possible. I mean, he was backing guys down. He had the post game going, this disappearing post game. Not many players have it left in the league. Not, not many players you would trust down there to make a good play. He's making it. He's taking guys off the dribble, using his quickness, to beat Blake Griffin off the dribble, to beat Andre Drummond off the dribble, and finishing at the rim. Beat Christian Wood a couple of times off the dribble. Because he's such a threat from outside, and teams know that now, they're not laying off of him as much. He's got more space to make that drive, and he's got the handle to do it. And he's got the vision. So he can make, I mean, he's he's essentially a player that can make really any play you want him to make on, on the floor. You still have to distribute to him a little bit. You know, he's not going to, you don't want him handling the ball coming up the floor, maybe one day. But right now, you still got to find him in, in his spots. 
Um, but he was doing, I mean, to me, it was one of the most complete offensive games I've seen of any Hornet this season. One final note from this game before uh, we get to Milwaukee on the other side. Pace of play for both of these Detroit victories, two straight victories against Detroit back-to-back, home and home. Both of these were sub-90 pace. That's, in today's NBA, that's extremely slow. You enlarge that to a season, and you're last by a mile. Extremely slow victories for the Hornets. And that, if you look across the season in the eight victories they have this year, only two of them have come from games that were played very quickly or, or above 100 pace. So the Hornets win the game when the game slows down. That's interesting to me because I would not have thought that coming in. I thought this team would need to liven the pace up, get it to be a little bit more chaotic in order to win basketball games because I didn't think they were going to be as good at executing in the half court. That's what P.J. Washington and Devontae Graham's ascension have meant for the Hornets. It has allowed them to execute half court offense. I didn't think they were going to be able to at all. And they have been. And they've been doing it in crunch time. And that's been the difference. That's why they have eight victories and not four at this point. All right. We're coming back and we're going to talk about a blowout loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. Is there anything to be gained, anything to be thought about when it comes to this loss against Milwaukee? Plus, we'll take a look at what the Hornets have coming up. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked on Hornets. But give me some positives. As That would annoy me as a head coach. I'd be like, look, you, you can't lose to the Bulls by 20 and come away and go, well, you know, let's look for some silver linings. Silver lining, game over. Next game. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Next game. I mean, I couldn't have put it any better myself. I think I just did. I think sometimes in the NBA – You get in these situations, second night of a back-to-back, and a tough back-to-back because, you know, those games against the Pistons, both of them, were were physical matchups, and they were close games, and they were really close games for most of the game. And so, you know, as a team, you're engaged. I just said against Detroit, you go with the eight-man rotation, old school. It's what they used to do. If you look back at box scores in the 80s and 90s, no one was, you know, rarely, unless you had injuries, were you going to 10 men. So you go to the, you shorten the rotation, more minutes, and then you have to go and play the best team in the East. The best team in the East and the Milwaukee Bucks, they've been without Chris Middleton for about half of that. And they get Chris Middleton back, and they're playing him off the bench. So now that throws you know, throws all kinds of rotation hitches in your giddy-up. He's not technically a bench wrench because you know what Chris Middleton is giving you, but he's a wrench by virtue of being on the bench. It's tough to deal with. Now, the Hornets in this game, they do get Cody Zeller back, and they used him as a bench wrench. He gets 20 minutes off the bench, 4 of 8 from the field, 11 points, 5 rebounds. Bismack Biombo, on the other hand, only 10 minutes in this game, 0 of 3 from the field, 2 assists, 2 rebounds, 1 turnover, but was generally unaffected 
at at keeping Giannis away from the rim, especially in that second quarter where Giannis really started to get it going and was ineffective offensively. And so at that point, you know, he got the hook. And you go to Cody Zeller, you try to get small, do what you can. But what the Hornets couldn't do is guard Giannis Antetokounmpo, 26 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. The easiest 26 Giannis has gotten all season. And then this is where when you play a good team, they're just, I mean, they're so good, they're exploring things right now. They don't have Brooke Lopez, so you don't have to deal with him, his three-point shooting. You know, Brooke Lopez used to be, when he was with Brooklyn, he was a back-down center. Now he's just exclusively a three-point shooter. Well, they also have his twin brother, Robin Lopez. You think, oh, well, Robin doesn't shoot threes as well. You can lay up off of him. Ah, whoops, he hits his first three threes. He finishes with 13 points, six rebounds, and four assists. The Milwaukee Bucks, unlike the Detroit Pistons, they wanted to get out and move. And the Hornets have not been able to guard in transition all year. And it showed against the Bucks. They were beaten in fast break, uh, fast break points, 34 for Milwaukee. That's extremely high. 17 for Charlotte. Charlotte did get some second chance opportunities, uh, but that was mainly because they were missing and Milwaukee was not. Tougher to get second chance opportunities when you're just drilling it. And that's what happened. And the Hornets get drilled 137 to 96. You know, I think if you want takeaways from the game, obviously the Hornets are going to lose these type of games to really elite teams because they are not an elite team. And they have huge weaknesses that get exposed by teams with uh, otherworldly talents like Giannis Antetokounmpo. And they don't have, they do have a lockdown defender or at least a one that has that reputation in Michael K. Gilchrist, but he isn't playing in the rotation right now. And so you rely, you have to rely on Miles Bridges to be your lockdown defender. Well, you know, Giannis has uh, several pounds and a few inches on Miles Bridges. So you go to P.J. Washington, who I thought, you know, especially in the first quarter, did some things to frustrate Giannis. Started the game uh, one of five. Finished that first quarter two of seven with six points, but then he just got a he got into a groove once you played Giannis against the second unit in the second quarter. He had 13 points in his first five minutes. And that's what good teams can do to bad teams. They can just say, okay, we're going to leave Giannis out here against your bench. Figure that out. And the Hornets couldn't figure it out. Bacon got some run in this one. Totaled, let's see, 19 minutes in this game. One of six, 0 of three from three. So continuing to struggle offensively. Four rebounds, two total points on the Knights. Any bright spots? Well, Devontae Graham, 10 of 18. From the field, 24 points to lead all scores or lead all Hornet scores, I should say. Five assists, four rebounds. See, to me, that's a star-level thing for Devontae Graham. When you can go in there and sense, okay, we're about to get blown out. Let me get my averages. Not that he was forcing anything or taking any way, anything away from anyone. There were certain points in the game when he was the only offense that the Hornets had. Because Terry Rozier took a while to get going. He started the game 0-5. 
Biombo was 0 of 3. The Hornets started the game 0 of 7. They were in a 7-0 hole before they, you know, you blinked and they were suddenly down 7. Graham and Washington, they hit triples at the end of that first quarter to at least give the Hornets a breath of hope, uh, but it all went away. And a um, couple of thoughts I had from this game, you know, if the Hornets find a passing big, if they find a big of the level of like a Al Horford in terms of his passing, watch out, man. Devontae Graham had a couple of opportunities where if Biombo could have found him, it was an automatic three. So that, I mean, if anything, that's why I'm against bringing Andre Drummond. I mean, give me a big that can pass. You don't need a ton of offense out of your center position. You've got, I mean, right now, Devontae Graham and Rozier are both shooting it really well from outside. Miles Bridges is giving you some athleticism, a little bit of a putback game, and P.J. Washington is scorching hot from beyond the arc. Not in this one, one of five, seven points, kind of an off game for P.J. But it's been a good offensive threat. You need someone down there that can facilitate. Help your guards out. Give your guards a few more opportunities. But I wouldn't take too much away from this game other than the, other than the fact that like you take some heart. Look, if you're going to get wins, fine. Get wins against Detroit. Get wins against Atlanta. Uh, but, you, you know, don't sneak one away from Milwaukee. I mean, if, if your goal is to develop young players and then maybe give yourself chan- a chance at a top pick, then these are the kind of games you want to walk away from. Obviously, you would have loved for them to be a little bit more competitive. That's the NBA, baby. I mean, sometimes you just get run off the floor by a team that's probably on their way to the finals. We're on our way out. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Thanks again to Bobby Marks of ESPN for joining us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Rick Bennell, Charlotte Observer, he'll join us. Give him give his takes. Walker Mail, get better, buddy. Hope to see you back soon. Hope to see you listener dear listener back with us tomorrow locked on hornets you're on the locked on podcast network your team every day Ooh.